0: guests with us, some who are here uh, for the dedication, we're delighted. Other friends who I haven't seen in a long time, glad to have you with us this morning as well. Time magazine recently published their list of the 100 most influential people in the world. Not surprising, many of those figures are from television and Hollywood, Miley Cyrus, Beyoncé, Seth Meyers, Robert Redford, Matthew McConaughey, even tennis star Venus Williams was on the list. But in case you're wondering, your mother and millions of other women who are devoted to Jesus Christ and following Him did not make the list. And I say... Who cares? Who really cares what Time Magazine thinks? Who cares who Time Magazine thinks is the the most influential people in the world? We can make our own list of the most influential people in our church and in our community and in this region. And I'm pretty sure that most of the women in this room would be on that list, right? Happy Mother's Day, ladies, and thank you for joining us today. Last week we started this study in the book of Colossians. We learned that some form of false teaching had crept into the church there. And so when Paul writes the letter, because the church is facing false teaching, he prays for them, a good thing to do when you are are thinking about people who are under false teaching. Pray for them. You may not be plagued by false teaching today, but this prayer still provides an excellent model of intercession. It's a good example of how to pray for someone, to pray for anyone whom you might know who is under the teaching of the gospel. It helps us to learn how we can pray effectively for our friends and for our church. And on this Mother's Day, I would commend this prayer to each one of you as a prayer that we could pray or should pray for every mother and every grandmother that we know. Stuck between the pots and pans of Colossians chapter 1 is this little tiny prayer that packs a lot of power. How should we pray? First of all, there, this is a prayer for the knowledge of God's will. Paul writes, and so from the, the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with all the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So the first request, and the one on which the rest of the prayer is based, is that God in His sovereign grace might fill us, fill the church, fill our mothers and grandmothers with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Filled. Filled with the knowledge of God's will. Occupied, bursting, chock-full, stuffed, like you're going to be after the Mother's Day lunch. Stuffed! But not with hot dogs and hamburgers and steak, but stuffed with the knowledge of God's will. What we need to know is the will of God. We need to know that. We need to know what makes God happy, what, what pleases Him. There, there are a lot of teachers, a lot of professors in my past, in my educational process that I respect highly and I've learned so much from so many different teachers and authors and pastors and missionaries but with all due respect when it comes right down to it what I need to know is the will of God, not the mind of man and what you need to know is the same thing you need to know the will of God And so Paul prays for this young church composed of men and women and and, and young people and teenagers and boys and girls and that's why I believe we can take this same model prayer and pray it for our church because we're men and women and boys and girls and teenagers and young people so we should pray this prayer for our church and our friends and our our families. Such knowledge of God's will is the the foundation of Christian character and conduct. If you go over just, just a couple of Pages to Colossians chapter 4. In this verse, verse 12, you see this emphasis on the will of God repeated again. Epaphras, who's one of you, Paul says, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers. What's he struggling over? Why is he struggling? Well, that, that, that they may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. Wow. I'd love to have that prayer answered in my own life. He wants us to be fully assured in all the will of God. So God's will, God's will, should penetrate our thoughts and our emotions and our affections and our purposes and our goals and our plans and, yes, our pocketbooks. When we stand fully mature or or mature and fully assured in all the will of God, then Satan's work cannot overwhelm us or undo us and we will stand before the Lord in grace and peace, and Jesus Christ will be triumphant. That's why the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 10, you need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you'll receive what He's promised. So that, I guess that begs the question, how does one know the will of God so that he or she can do the will of God. How do you know what God's will is? Well, in, in Matthew chapter 22, a group of religious leaders, they're trying to, they're trying to trick Jesus, but they ask Him questions about, about the resurrection. And, and Jesus responds to them and says, in, in Matthew 22, verse 29, you're wrong because you know neither the Scriptures nor the power of God. So the implication is clear. If they knew the Scriptures, they would understand the will of God concerning resurrection. But because they don't know the Scriptures, they can't understand the will of God concerning resurrection. So the will of God is revealed by the Word of God, which is inspired by the Spirit of God. And all of those things work in tandem. If we want to know the will of God, we need to know the Word of God. The will of God for your life cannot be known apart from the Word of God and the Spirit of God. Be wary of people. Be wary of teaching that says, I don't need the Scriptures. I commune directly with God. God speaks to me and I speak to people. Seriously? Seriously. God speaks through His Word. That word speaks to people. People share what God has said, not what they've thought of. The will of God for your life cannot be revealed by anyone but the Spirit of God through the Word of God. The Spirit of God always agrees with the Word of God. Okay, so don't flog it to death, Lino. Move on. So part of our prayer today is for the knowledge of God's will which comes through the Word of God, motivated, catalyzed, inspired by the Spirit of God. This model prayer is also a prayer about worthy conduct. In, in, in verse 9, he begins this prayer by asking that we may be filled, filled with the knowledge of God's will. Why? He explains why, in, beginning in verse 10. So that we might walk And transferred, oh, that's not in there, but it fits. He's delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So the word walk in verse 10 is a word that's used symbolically to describe a person's conduct or their behavior. We need to be filled with the knowledge of God, verse 9, so that we walk in a manner that is pleasing to the Lord, so that we conduct ourselves in such a way that God is honored and we bring honor and fame to His name. So the second part of Paul's request is built on and grows out of this request for the knowledge of God's will. You can't live a worthy life and you can't please God apart from following the will of God, which you learn about through the Word of God. So you see, the Hebrews saw an absolute connection between knowledge and, and, and behavior. And in fact, they, from their perspective, a person did not really know something unless they did it. A person didn't really understand and have knowledge of something until they lived it out, until they walked it out. And so, from our perspective, we might say that a person does not really know the Word of God until he or she obeys it. A profound knowledge of God's Word should profoundly affect the way I live, the way I talk, the way I treat other people, the way I spend my money, the way I dr- dry, drive, maybe not that, no. But it, it, it should profoundly affect everything else. It should affect us first by bearing fruit in every good work. Good works are the result of God's gospel grace in our lives. And the reality of our faith should be seen by the surrounding community. I mean, people ought to be able to look at us and know that there's something different. Not weird, hopefully, but different. The Christian life should continually exhibit the qualities of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, because against such things there is no law. Bearing the fruit of the Spirit and bearing fruit of good works. Why? Because we're created in Christ Jesus to do good works. We also walk in a manner worthy of the Lord when we're increasing or when we're growing in the knowledge of God. And this is, this is where Paul begins his prayer. This this walk... Uh, it, it, Paul begins to pray for this so powerfully in, in, in the beginning of his prayer. He saw the connection between belief or between... Uh, faith and 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 conduct he knew that as they continued bearing fruit in every good work they would just naturally open themselves up to the knowledge of God one begets the other in kind of a wonderful upward spiral the more one knows Jesus the more one wants to serve him and the more one serves him the more we get to know of him and the more we know of him the more we want to serve him and it just kind of goes this wonderful glorious upward spiral Onward and upward. A television crew was on assignment in southern Florida in 1992 uh, reporting on the devastation, the horrific devastation of Hurricane Andrew. In one scene, amidst the devastation and debris, there was one house still standing on its foundation. All the other houses f- for blocks around were were blown up to smithereens by the hurricane, and the owner was out in the front yard cleaning up his his yard, picking up all the trash and all the stuff that had blown into his yard. So the television crew came along, and the reporter jumped out and grabbed his mic, and he said, sir, why is your house the only one standing? Every other house in the block has been leveled. How did you manage to escape the severe damage of the hurricane? Well, he said, I... I don't know, I, I built the house myself, and I followed. Uh, I built it according to the Florida State Building Code. So when the building code called for two-by-six roof trusses, I used two-by-sixes and not two-by-fours. I was told that a house built according to the Florida Building Code could withstand a hurricane. I did, and it did. And then he went on to say, I suppose no one else around here Follow the code. Folks, we have to be people who follow the code of God's Word. We have to to be people of the book. We have to follow the code. I mean, God has shown us how we can live a life that's worthy and how we can please Him in every way. So just follow the code. Let's be code people. You know, follow the code. And then we'll grow in our knowledge of God. We will. Because when you you do what's right and you serve Him, He just opens His heart more to you and you learn to love Him more and get to know Him more and serve Him more and serve Him more. You get to know Him more. Know Him more, you get to serve Him more. You know, I think I said that already. It's kind of this wonderful, glorious, upward spiral of knowing God. Third, we walk in a manner worthy of the Lord by allowing ourselves to be strengthened with all power, and I mean God's power, not human strength. Some of you post your, you know, your status on Facebook that you're at the gym. But you don't look like you've been at the gym. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's why I never post that I've been at the gym. I don't want anybody to know I, I go to the gym. You see, we 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 laugh about uh, we're humored by our attempts to become stronger, and we don't talk. We talk a lot about that. We don't talk enough about how we can be strengthened with God's power, and, and, and to us that's more important. Colossians 1.11, May you be strengthened with all power according to His glorious might. And the wording here suggests a continual supply of strength not a, a one-time shot in the arm. It's ongoing. It's, it's something that we can continue to experience, the strength, the power of God. This is Mother's Day. So let me, let me say again to every mom and every grandmother here that we are engaged in a moral conflict in the world in which we live. And it, it's, it's a battle against the cosmic powers of a darkened world. And if you, don't, if you don't sense that, then you, you need to pull your head out of the sand and, and have a look around because the battle is fierce in our public school system and government and every, uh, every aspect of our world in which we live. And nothing short of divine enablement and divine empowerment is going to enable us to stand against that. We need His power. We, we didn't need it desperately. Your kids and your grandkids do not stand a chance of standing on their own and being in their own strength and making a successful life for themselves. They need the power of God. You may not be the world's best housekeeper, and you may not even be the world's best cook, but you have absolutely got to be successful, moms, in nurturing your children in the Word of God so that they understand how they can be strengthened. With the power of God. Does that make sense? It's absolutely necessary. Remember this God gave us a spirit not of fear, not of fear, but of power and love and self control. He, he's given you that spirit already, it's already yours. And according to, to, to Peter in 2 Peter 1 3, his divine power has granted to us all things, all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence. He's already given these things. His divine power has granted these things to us. So you live a worthy life and you please God when you're bearing fruit in every good work, when you're growing in the knowledge of God, when you're being strengthened with His power. And finally, we please the Lord by giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light He's delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. You know, you read a passage like that, and you, Holden and I were doing a little excited happy dance before the service started, and if you read a passage of Scripture like that, I feel like doing the happy dance. Look what He's done for us. Well, we'll get there. I'm getting ahead of myself. The fourth ingredient, the crowning virtue of the worthy Christian life is gratitude. Develop an attitude of gratitude. We walk worthy by giving thanks. Thank you, Lord. The Masai tribe of West Africa have a very unusual way of, of saying thank you. Translators tell us that When when they express thanks, they actually bow and place their forehead on the ground and say, the literal translation is, my head is in the dirt. Another tribe in Africa, when they want to express gratitude, sit for a very long time in front of the hut of the person who did them a favor and say, again, literal translation, I sit in the dirt before you. Where's he going with this? I have no idea. (laughs) Think about it. Head in the dirt, sit on the ground. Two radically humble acts as ways of saying thank you. At its core, true biblical thanksgiving is an act of humility It's just an act of humility. It takes none of the credit for itself. It just says, thank you, God. So today, let's humble ourselves before God. And let's give Him thanks. For what? Well, He's qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints. God has qualified us. There's nothing we do to qualify ourselves. God qualifies us. It's a gift. It's a work of God. Let's humble ourselves today and give thanks because God has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. He's delivered us from spiritual ignorance and falsehood and sin. God has rescued us from all that. Woo-hoo! Let's give thanks. Furthermore, He's brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now we can all do the happy dance. And now, we also have the privilege of praying the same thing for others. This prayer, this model prayer, is a prayer that we could take upon our lips and pray for our families and our neighbors and our, our mothers and our grandmothers. Anybody that we know who has an inkling toward Jesus, we should pray this prayer. Pray that God will fill them with the knowledge of His will and then pray that their conduct would be worthy of the Lord. Pray for me in that regard as well. So moms and dads, on this Mother's Day, you can pray that your children will have a fruitful walk and a knowledgeable walk and a powerful walk and a thankful walk before God. That'd be a great prayer, wouldn't it? be a great way to pray for your kids and your grandkids. That's the worthy walk that's pleasing to the Lord. So let's pray together about that. Father, just meditating on Paul's prayer for believers in Colossae this morning fills my heart again with gratitude for the gospel of your grace. Uh, You've you planted our roots deep and secure in the, the fathomless depths of your agape love. Lord, our eternal joy and health are not in doubt. We will flourish and we will thrive forever. The gates of hell will not overcome the growth of, and the forward movement of your beloved people. Lord, please give each one of us a bigger and better grasp of Jesus' love. It's the only thing that will keep us focused on the things that really matter and repentant for the ways we fail one another. Really good churches can fall into really big messes, and only the love of Jesus can win the day. Father, on this Mother's Day, I ask you to restore our first love relationship with Jesus. And I ask you for an outpouring of your Holy Spirit that that will enable us to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel, so that you will be pleased with our lives, and with the lives of our mothers and grandmothers here today. And it's for your honor and glory that we pray in Jesus' name, amen, amen.